what builds mental toughness is confidence. It's doing the hard workouts. We're talking about practice, man. Week after week, effectively, and using those hard workouts to train. That's the great thing about sports. Yeah. You play to win. Stings the nostrils in a good way. No! And I don't care if you don't have any win. No! You go play to win. I had to wait till my dad fell asleep so I could steal his keys. You ready? I was born ready. They call me the freak, man. Because I'm a freak of nature. First of all, excuse me, West. 60% of the time, it works every time. Get some facts and come back and see me. Boy, that escalated quickly. You know, honestly, I just, I wanted the 1500 mile to be my event. Oh, good for you. That does make sense. You know, it's like the whole point of running is like to test the limits of the human body. Striving to be better. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine. You see today, just keep your eyes glued to the TV. See, the sad thing about a guy like you is in 50 years, you're going to start doing some thinking on your own, and you're going to come up with the fact that there are two certainties. I like waking up to the smell of bacon. I mean, how silly is that? Slow down. The Twins are going to win the World Series. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shovel Lake Public Radio. This is the Cedar Skier Podcast, the fastest growing and most popular Nordic ski and endurance sports related podcast in all of Lake County. Get some facts. And that get back is and see. the truth. Is it not? Competition. Unbelievable intro there, Ajay. Good work, interim producer. Over there. On the bit. Plenty of Minnesota takes in there. I think I heard KG. I, I caught that. Randy. I we that. got Kirby. We even that. had Gene Larkin, 1991 World Series. Jess Diggins was in there, of course. We also had the big one, the guy joining us today, the man, the myth, the legend, Garrett Heath. And uh, we tracked him down because we had to. We, we had to get to the bottom of the 2022 Berkey Bider controversy. Uh, actually, that's not really why. Yeah, Garrett is a phenomenal, and and he's not. He is a two-time Minnesota Nordic Ski State Champion, uh, but that's maybe not super high on the credentials when you consider all that Garrett Heath has done in his long and distinguished running career. So we pulled him on here because he might be emblematic of like the essence of this show in terms of incredible runner crossover nordic skier now he's making his way to the trails um so he's got a lot of things that he can kind of Get touch on. The season's on the line. what is going on here left and right. i guess we have to listen to this snap. too he steps up he's all by himself fires into the end zone Touch! <laughs> touchdown no no how could you do this the cardinals have knocked the vikings out of the playoffs and after after we started out the season against Green Bay the way we did, I don't think we needed to bring that up, Ajay. We're supposed to talk about all expenditures, Lloyd. We are on a very tight budget. Yeah, no, you're not going to get the intro producer label removed at this point. Uh, anyway, back to the show today. 
I'm super excited for this episode. Super excited to um, bring Garrett on the show because, like I was saying, you know, he's had an elite career on the track, uh, cross country, and he does have some cross country skiing chops. And now he has made a move to the trail. And so, one thing we kind of talk about this show is, um, I guess, the intersection of fitness and all of those sports. So, who better than Garrett to have on to speak to that? And, you know, the other thing is, the thing that's really exciting is, you know, Garrett was at winning his state high school cross country running and track championships the first time I ever went to a state meet. Um, and for those of you who listen to this podcast, you can probably relate to that, that, that time when you're a kid and you see those amazing performances by preps and it kind of inspires you to go back and you sort of dream of being that first runner to crest the hill at uh, coming into the finish line or, you know, raising up your hands at the finish line in a track race or whatever. Uh, that was Garrett Heath for me. So it's kind of cool that um, he is was so kind to give us his time, a lot of time, and answer a, a ton of questions. And there's there's probably a lot more that, that I could have asked too. So um, anyway, that being said, we're happy that you're here. We're happy you're listening. And if you want to see some other material, if this is the first time you're listening to the show, you know, you can go to cedarskier.com. We have feature articles. You, uh, We have links to our other shows as well. Or follow us on Spotify, Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. The Cedar Skier podcast is there. And you can check out some of the other athletes we've talked to. Or just, you know, if you want to listen to an hour and a half of uh, me <laughs> discussing endurance sports in the manner of your ESPN, your typical ESPN sports talk radio show host, um, that's the place to find it. Probably one of the only places to find it uh, as well. So that's why we're the leader in Lake County. It's a big, it's a big market. We have a complete stranglehold on it, and that's that's kind of what we pride ourselves on. Anyway, without further ado, here we go. This is Garrett Heath. I appreciate this. This is a truly an honor. I feel like as a, you know, someone who was a big fan in prep high school, Minnesota cross country back in 2003, talking to you now, that's like, that's like where I trace you back. Cause that, that's kind of wild, isn't it? <laughs> but well, I'm from Moorhead, Minnesota, uh, so that's where I, I grew up, uh, went to Moorhead High School, went to Concordia College, actually. Uh, my whole family's kind of from that area. Then my wife, who is from... But I live in Leadville. We've lived there for the last Stars last few years, so... Uh, and that's why I ran into oh, Elliot awesome. the other t- the other last year. I was like, he he must have. Well, he almost did like have a heart attack because when I said, "Are you Elliot Heath?" and we're like literally in the middle of pitch black Turquoise Lake Road, like he's just on a walk. Right. Yeah, it was so weird. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Like I'm piecing that together now because he told me about that. Really? Uh, I'm trying to remember who he was there with. Did, does, uh, does he have a girlfriend or something? He was with a girl, so I don't know. He was there for a wedding. Yeah, I must have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember what, Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. All right, I'm piecing it all together. But, yeah, we were there for another guy from Winona's uh, at a wedding in Buena Vista. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was so funny, though. It was like, he was like, yeah, I think she just thinks that I planted someone out there. Uh, <laughs> like about his girlfriend, because he's like... <laughs> oh, no. I probably ruined it. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, just, you know, like, he, he, I think, yeah, he was just, like, one of the odds. Yeah. Somebody, you know, like, on the, like, dark and 
right. Colorado. Right. <laughs> no, that's crazy. And you, but uh, and you guys came out here. He said you you kind of have come out to this area before as kids. Did you do like is that like a annual camping to the west in general or Leadville specifically? Yeah, I was pretty much going to Colorado uh, every summer with the family. Like it was either like we did some Buena Vista, we did Leadville, we did uh, Salida, Frisco, Breckenridge. Yeah, kind of like the whole gauntlet. Growing up, both my parents were off in the summers, uh, so we'd do like a van road trip out, spend like a couple weeks out there, and you know, okay. Mini, the closer a training camp as you get as a kid, I guess. Yeah. Like, just doing a million things. Like, not actually training. Right. Uh, but just kind of, yeah, climbing mountains or whatever. Right. So, no, totally. That's... Yeah, how, do you, how do you like Leadville? Oh, it's the best. I... I really love it. I love the fact that I mean, there's a long. It's a long, healthy winter with good snow, and but that kind of the spring is amazing too. You know, we can ski in May and June, but you could also mountain bike in like March. You know, like if you drive down to BV, twenty minutes, like you can be on dirt kind of all year too. So you kind of get the best of those worlds. And and I I actually I really don't like the extreme heat either. So you know, when it's sixty eight degrees, that's like as hot as it really gets. So let summers kind of feel like a midwest fall you know and minus the humidity there's just none of that so yeah it's it's perfect it, it's ten thousand feet you know but that kind of is what i guess keeps the riffraff away you know uh <laughs> but right right yeah no it's i've i've had some cold days up there like you do expect this to be i mean midsummer you're expecting at least t-shirt weather Right. And it's like, yeah, I, I feel like whatever that pizza place is, yeah, I don't know. Oh, High Mountain Pie? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been there like a fair amount. <laughs> Yeah, like sitting outside being pretty cold a few times. Oh yeah, uh, like if you get in the shade, it and it is sweatshirt weather here year round in the shade. But I do also tell my brother, who's a runner, and he's in Duluth. He's trying to recruit me back home. But I'll, I'll tell him like, I can I I rare rarely ever run. Not just like I wear short shorts, no shirt, almost every morning. Because even when it's like forty degrees. It's a dry 40, so that doesn't really <laughs> – it just doesn't, like, affect you the same way. So, yeah, right. and it heats up pretty fast. But now that that's probably the one complaint people would say. But Right, right. Spoken like a true uh, tundra sort of person. <laughs> it's like, true. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, pretty cold, but it's a dry cold. So well, like, yeah. Know, not that bad. A- anything's uh, better than mosquitoes. Anything's better than Fargo. That's kind of where I land. Like, Fargo weather, it doesn't get any worse than that. It's windy, freezing, yeah. hot, and humid. Like, it's just the worst of it all. I don't know how my parents have lived there for their entire lives, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I had to go to school there. Yeah. Epically horrific runs. I was going with the wind at your back for a ways and then turning around to find out that it's that at your back at like 30 miles an hour yeah. the whole way out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so where are you now? You're in Washington, right? Yeah, I'm in Seattle. Okay. How long have you lived out there? Is that kind of your whole pro um, career? Or were you ever in like the Eugene area? No, no, I guess Stanford, right out of college. So, yeah, I guess where have you kind of, where's the trajectory been? Yeah, I stayed in Palo Alto for probably uh, four years after college, and then I've been up here for probably about the last eight years or so. 
Seattle's pretty much home at this point. Well, I, I, in this discussion, you know, I think I'm excited to have you on because I think you sort of embody the palette of our listeners in terms of like runner, skier, even, you know, now on the trails kind of. Um, so I think there's a lot of questions you're uniquely positioned to answer. Um, and I do want to get to the intersection of that, but I think almost I want to kind of trace some of those threads uh back to when you were younger so i think i might kind of go back and work chronological if you're okay with that and <laughs> hope this yeah. would be fun to kind of yeah. like think back but yes yeah, starting back you, you kind of already started mentioning a little bit about your upbringing you know coming out and doing the family vacations out west like i can imagine totally what that's like but um even i mean, i guess go back to the beginning when of your athletic career because i know you had a really good prep career but like that doesn't just start when you're in ninth grade and you you know oh i guess i'll go out for the team maybe it did for you i don't know but like back up to your parental influence you know kind of your early training what what was it like for garrett heath as a youngster yeah yeah i think it was yeah i mean we we did a lot of family trips like i was saying out to uh colorado just growing up i mean gosh i don't know starting at like a super young age, you know, not necessarily like training trips, but you just, I think it just like builds like a passion for the outdoors, like the mountains, getting out, like whether that was like hiking, we weren't doing kind of specific running at that point, but it was just like a lot of hiking, family bikes, just being it. And then, you know, from there, just kind of like, I mean, my dad played kind of like uh, football and stuff growing up and he was kind of like ah, you guys should try something else <laughs> so he pushed my brother and I a little bit more towards like um, doing like cross country and um, yeah I, I had like a buddy in, in grade school who was like we had some like good rivalries just in like the the mile that you run in PE every year right. and so I think from that just like like oh yeah I'll try this cross country thing out um and yeah, I mean, you know, like once you get like, I think one of the best parts about cross country in particular is just like the team bond and, you know, once kind of got intertwined with that and Minnesota's unique in the sense that like middle schoolers get to run and train with the high school team right. immediately. And so like for us, at least you could run varsity starting in seventh grade, but even in sixth grade, you could like, you were training and meeting up with the varsity team. And so it was like this cool experience to hang out with like the older kids and like, I don't know, just be a nuisance to them, but like feel like you're a part of something bigger and like grow some friendships. And, you know, like you're talking in like sixth, seventh grade with like your buddies of like, Oh man, imagine how great we can be when we're seniors, blah, blah, you know, we like with this progression and, you know, I think you just get excited. And so from there, just kind of like, that's what it built on. And I think, a lot of that same kind of like camaraderie team stuff is like really like kept it going through high school and you know before the competitive side was like really there to keep going through like college or beyond it's amazing to hear you retell that because it it sounds so familiar to what it was like outstate up in Moorhead, kind of. You know, like it was the same thing. Like even down to my dad, he was a great college runner, so there was genes in the family for me. But like I distinctly remember him saying, like seventh grade football, he told he hurt his shoulder and kind of like. Just don't do that. Like, I'll, you guys can play touch football in the backyard, you know, which we did. But it was like, nah. And, and like, 
you know, the mile run. And, and then eventually that somehow kind of morphs into your junior high team and you start dreaming big. But like, did you, the second you uh, started running then, like even in the mile, did you have a love for running? Because I always am fascinated by people who like, don't just think it's the worst thing ever. Cause it hurts. Like, even for me, I remember going, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm good, but it hurts. Like, I don't, I wouldn't, I don't like this the same as like playing baseball or something, but what was that like for you? Like, and then once you get in shape, it's different, you know, then you kind of come to it. But I always think there's this threshold to cross. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, I think, I don't know. I think there's some like weird bonding that happens when you're in a lot of pain together with people and so like it was like I, I mean we just like we had some very good coaches in high school like some coaches that had kind of coached some really good teams through the 80s and 90s and early 2000s and like I think we all just respected a ton so like yeah we had you know put complete faith in the training but it was like there was a handful of workouts that it was like oh man you know like the 30 minute drill or like the um, you know, I'm trying the magic 50 was another one for us where you tried to run for 50 seconds as fast as you could on the track, like, uh, all out from the start. So it wasn't, you know, you're not tapering, you're not measuring your effort at all. You're just like literally going as if it's been all out hundred and then continuing yeah. for another hundred. And, um, that was more of a track and cross workout, but you know, it was just like, uh, some of those workouts where it's like, you see it on the schedule for the week and you're just like, Ooh man, this is a big one. Like this is going to be real painful, (laughs) but like you're kind of grinded out and you suffer together. And like, that's what like, I don't know, like kind of gets you pumped for the next one. If it goes poorly, you're like, Oh gosh, I need to like get my stuff together. And if it goes like really well, it just gets you so amped up. Um, and like, I'm sure like everyone else in in the country ever, we watched, you know, like, without limits before like every yeah. knee and you're just like you know you kind of like embrace the pain you're like yeah. ah yeah like the pain that's like you know uh i'm trying to remember like you know some of the quotes that were on the back of shirts but right was, like yeah. uh you know it's like pain is weakness leaving the body all these things that are like <laughs> super cheesy but also like you just kind of cling to you know and like yeah. try to like embody it so i you know i i definitely the pain gets easier when you're fit, but I also think like, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't remember that transition so specifically in high school. I just kind of remember it being like, yeah, suffering together and then kind of celebrating together. Yeah, that it's kind of interesting though because I think some runners, even at a young time, there there's the analytical runner who like kind of really gets into the training and that's sort of what motivates him each day to show up. And there's there's the funny guy, or and there's the guy who's like really competitive, you know. And like it's almost like it doesn't even matter that it's running. Those are the guys who like win, you know, the conference meet in college and then they don't run a step for the rest of their lives the next day. Or or you know, like the guy, someone who's just I just love running and that's crazy. But were you? Do you feel like you were kind of a a blend of all those or none of those you know like because i think that is and maybe throughout your career you know have you you just you strike me as someone who's sort of like kind of calm consistent and you're not you're not someone who's gonna have that personality be just like totally out there but yeah what's your relationship like with running kind of how's it sort of morphed and grown yeah i think um i'm i would say like biggest thing for me is probably just being like pretty goal-oriented i mean i've done 
uber competitive and you know I had like one or two other people that I would say in high school who like probably fall like that to their thing as being the super competitive person and I would say that you know that wouldn't be the first thing that someone would describe me as but like yeah it is like what drives so many things like I'm competitive in everything I do um you know just kind of like the challenge so I would say like the competition and just like the the friendships are really what made cross country and sports in general like what they are you know I mean like that and like I think just exploring like I love to be outside running biking whatever you know just kind of seeing the world um so like those those three things are probably what's like kind of always driven me um with running and even you know even still just trying to like you use it almost as a social thing you like meet up with people to run um and you know obviously still chasing goals as much as possible so you you mentioned a couple of those workouts from high school i'm curious like what do you remember about your training more specifically you know it sounds like you had good coaches do you look back and go man that was like perfect it progressed me into stanford to a pro career or do you kind of look back and go oh that's crazy i can't believe i did that it had such great success you know like how do you what, what were you doing and kind of what what yeah what were you doing and what do you think of it i guess yeah yeah we had i mean we had some amazing coaches we had um two guys jim flynn john Ruggerberg, were like our, our two cross-country coaches um and they you know just have been around they knew what they were doing like i said just so much respect on the team for for them like we they knew how to have fun but also like uh you, you had like business was serious when you were working out you know i was like there was time for fun and there's time to be serious and i think that was like an important distinction to learn of like you can do both but there was time for both so it's like you're not trying to joke when it's like you're trying to hit a hard workout and you're, you know, you're not trying to be serious and hammer easy runs all the time either. Um, so I think like, yeah, the workouts were great. I mean, they were very smart. I think, you know, as much as I recall, most of our training was pretty based on like Jack Daniels, dot sort of stuff, which is yeah. probably similar to most high school kids, you know, it's pretty, I don't know, pretty standard. So I don't think like, I don't think there's anything crazy about our training. It was good training, but I think it was more just kind of like the lessons, the mentality, the way they ran the team and like the atmosphere they built, which like then I tried to emulate and take through the rest of my career to other teams that I've been on um, and pass that kind of like build that same atmosphere. Cause I think that's kind of what makes it successful. Um, I mean, I would say like the other thing is like they very quickly like still being able to like internalize how you're feeling and and gauge your effort and i think that's personally i think that's super important to being consistent in not being injured as much and just like listening to your body and and i think having like longevity and just a generally good progression of results in my mind a lot of that comes from just being consistent so um yeah i would say those are like some of the main things like training was great but uh the other things yeah you know um some of those like other less tangible things were um just as important probably yeah it's interesting how we can kind of obsess over one or the other it seems like you know people don't really 
maybe when they're in the moment, they're either like over focused on, oh, I'm we shouldn't be doing this type of work. Oh, it should be a different one. And then like they look back and go, it was really all about the culture, you know, like that's something that really drove and stuck with it. And it's kind of sometimes hard to see that even when you're in it. But yeah, I'm curious. Did you just like shut things down for Nordic then, like every winter? Because you, I mean, you won the state championship in Nordic skiing. So, what did winters look like for you? Yeah, I, mean, I completely shut down for running. Yeah. I usually didn't run a step outside of like if there wasn't snow. Obviously, with the ski team, we. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, I'm losing you. Hello. No. Helps or so in the winter. Um, I lost you there for like 10 and, seconds. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, you, yeah, no, I think like completely, yeah, they just completely shut things down in the winter for about three months. Um, like, you know, whether, unless it was like doing some pole bounding or hiking or maybe running for ski practice, if there wasn't snow, it was like, it was just skiing, just ski training, which like, you know, I think cost me a bit when it came to track season because you do end up like having a little bit more of an upper body yeah. uh, and like some kind of like strength to lose in the upper body, which is like, you know, just like for running, you just don't want to be carrying a ton of extra like muscle up top. Yeah. Um, if you're not really utilizing. So it usually took me until like the end of track season to feel like I was really there for like the two mile. Um, the mile, I think you can use that strength a bit more. But, man, it was a great reset. Like, I don't know if I could have gone through high school focused on running every day, all day, yeah. all year, you know. Um, how, did so. you, how did you get into skiing? Was that, like, your mom skied, or, or did, was it, like, the crowd just kind of did that in Winona? So you were like, oh, I guess this is what we have to do in the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, we were really lucky because um, St. Mary's has, like, a great – he set up the university there went on okay. so like we did end up going there a lot my parents were into it so that was a big thing and my dad had done um the berkey biner mm-hmm. the berkey up in northern wisconsin like i don't know how many times he's done it now but you know he'd probably done it 10 to 15 times or something right at the time or now you know done like 30 maybe or something so um yeah we just kind of like that was just the thing to do in the winter so We'd take, like, you know, trips up to northern Wisconsin and, you know, again, not training a ton, but just kind of slowly becomes part of your life. Right. Were you approached by anyone to kind of, like, I don't know, take the Ben True route? You know, like, did, did some schools want you for skiing over running? Or, hey, you could actually come and try and do both? I know that's pretty rare, even for, like, Ben at Dartmouth. I think that was, like, he sort of told them that's what he was going to do but what was the what was the, what was it like for you or was that kind of like no running's my thing I'm, I'm happy i'm a nordic skier but i just you know yeah yeah i i, I considered it like for a short period of time yeah. like yeah i did love skiing like um i think the hardest part like i, I think uh, i'm trying to remember the schools it was like i think i'd like that middlebury yeah. um like, you know, maybe I thought about some of the, like, ones in uh, Minnesota there as well. But there just aren't that many schools that offer cross-country skiing, and particularly, like, similar to Ben's situation, it's just very hard to find a situation where a coach is like, oh, yeah, you can do both. Right. You know, like, each coach wants you all in on their sport. Um, 
And so ultimately, like, I think part of the decision was like, yeah, I think running's where my head's at a little bit more. And I think the opportunities academically are a little bit better um, or just like not to the skiing schools weren't great academically, but just, I guess, the diversity of options was right was much bigger with the running schools. So. And that, that's crazy, though. Yeah, and, but no co- did any coaches from those EISA go, hey, we just want you for skiing? Like, did, they, did you actually get recruited recruit by them? Uh, pretty early on, but I think by the time I, like, was really going through the recruiting po- process, like, by the summer – going into my senior year uh, I think I was like pretty well set of like yeah running was a thing so like yeah I remember talking to a few coaches I think pretty early on about it um, but yeah I mean the ski like at least when I was coming out the, I don't think the ski world was nearly as competitive recruiting wise in the country yeah either. it was kind of a dull part um, of the college scene too for sure yeah, and, like, a lot of the best colleges were based on, like, foreign athletes. Like, uh, right. you know, Boulder used a lot. They had a lot of foreign athletes. I think uh, New Mexico maybe did. Yep. So, I, you know, I just don't know how much effort was going in compared to running, where I think there's a little bit more of, like, a, there's more coaches on the coaching staffs in track and field and cross-country programs. There's more money. You know, it's just, like, more goes into it. So, I think the effort is a little bit um, more intentional there. So I, I did, but yeah, not okay. Not for a significant period of time. Well, just a couple more prep related questions I have is one is what was it like with Elliot kind of like being totally a superstar, even as a freshman, you know, um, what was your guys relationship? Like, were you, were you talking, dreaming, scheming as a, uh, without limits would be playing, you know, where you guys already kind of like, Hey, we're going to go do this. Uh, to some extent, I think we were just kind of both like, you know, like, man, I can't wait for you to grow up so we can do some stuff together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so we didn't overlap like really at all in high school. I mean, he was, he was good as a freshman, but our training didn't really overlap much. It really wasn't until like, Honestly, like, he was a freshman in college that we really had a chance to, like, do a ton of stuff together. Yeah. Um, and then that, that was fun. Um, but yeah, I care, like, I actually got injured my, that was my fourth year in his freshman year in college in cross. And so, like, I was coming back, and he was super fit, and we had a race for the both of us. Like, we ended up being just kind of the exact same fitness and, like, sort of running together out there. And I remember just, like, drafting him. And just being like, hey, catch that guy. And then he'd put his head down and like pull him back and I'd draft him and then we'd go catch that guy. And then eventually I would kick him. I was like, thanks, thanks, bud. Um, but no, it was it was super fun. And then, you know, even post legally being able to do a ton of stuff together has uh, been, yeah, one of the coolest things. And then finally, what what would you say is your greatest accomplishment from high school? Like, and maybe this is a better question than that. If it's just like, well, I mean, can't can't be winning state like that because that is sort of the iconic. I think for every Minnesota State high school runner, I mean, coming over the hill at Saint Olaf, like, and you being the person, was that something that you kind of, you know, dreamt about? And at what point were you sort of uh, like 
did you realize i think that's something i could actually do like that is not a dream that's kind of like an expectation for me uh yeah i mean gosh it just you know it all happens like so fast yeah because like i mean I don't know. Nowadays, it seems like four years goes by so fast, but high school four years seems like, you know, like this such long period of time. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, does, yeah. it happens quickly, you know? Like, I think, um, I, I think, like, my freshman year, I was, like, pretty good, uh, but it was probably, like, sophomore year that I was, like, the realization happened because I was, we were in the same conference as Tom Schmidt, who's a terrible guy. Um, and he and I went back and forth a ton. Um, we raced him, I think I raced him like four times or something, five times that year. Uh, and we, I think I beat him the first time and then he beat me every other time after that. Um, cause he was, an, he was like the 800 state champ. And so like, he would just okay. sit on me and out kick me. Um, you know, to his <laughs> credit, cause like I was I mean, even though I was like a couple years younger, I was the more distance guy. Yeah, and like it was a surefire way to win because he just blew my doors off every every last eight hundred. <laughs> um, but yeah, he ended up. I think we were ranked first, second, kind of back and forth, and then he ended up winning state. I think I blew up on the last final hill, and I was going backwards. I think I ended up sixth, but I was like, I was in a ugly place for the last like eight hundred. Um, but yeah, probably sometime around then. Um, and yeah, uh, I guess like, yeah, I don't know if your other question was like, what was the, probably the best? Yeah. Finish, yeah. I guess. But I think, um, man, some of the, I mean, I think most of like the, the state championship stuff was the most fun because you're, you know, you got some of your team around you and like, you know, just, yeah, like that's, you know, of course it's, so awesome. The cross country stuff always meant a little bit more to me. Yeah. Um, and then I, I think probably the best one mentally in my mind was like Foot Locker my senior year because um, we did like a band trip. Everybody in like our school <laughs> was in band. And so we all went to Florida <laughs> with the band the week before um, Foot Locker Regionals. And I was like, ooh, this could be really bad for <laughs> making nationals. Um, but, yeah, we went better than expected and, you know, went down a little bit from the previous year um, for nationals. But it was, like, 10th then coming off of that, which was despite, you know, being a little lower, probably one of the performances. That's crazy. That. Wait, you, you went to Florida for a band trip and then just, like, the Foot Locker Regional was – the next like week so like everyone went back but you just like oh i gotta run this race yeah we rode so we rode in a school bus to florida oh and my i gosh. ended up flying back i flew straight to kenosha to race um oh and yeah it was uh i yeah i was also i did some other i mean uh <laughs> i had like some freak injury that year where I, I stepped off a ledge playing uh disc golf not, not ultimate frisbee, but disc golf. Um, <laughs> it like took me out for like a week or two. So yeah, I don't know. It wasn't like you know my best race, but I think against maybe some of the more yeah unlikely odds, had things go well. So that's crazy. Okay, so 
Um, I guess, like, I mean, Stanford kind of speaks for itself why you'd want to go there. For you, what was the main draw or, like, the, the you know, triumvirate of factors that you were like, this is where I'm going to go for running, for academics, for whatever? Yeah, I think, it, I mean, it was just like, one part was just like, you know, hey, like, I love the Midwest, I love Minnesota, I love where I'm coming from, but, like, this might be my one chance to kind of, like, try something new, you yeah. know, get out and like see see another part of the world and if i don't like it i know i love it here and i can always come back um and you know i mean i think yeah the academic piece is a big big side of it i mean things things worked out really well um for running to be able to do it as long as i have but like you just don't know (laughs) i mean like you know it's like anybody can have an injury at any time they can like end your running career or like you know make it so you're at least laid up for a couple of years in college and it's like you need to have something else you, you know if you go I would, at least i would never recommend going to a school only for you know a specific like just the running team um, um or just the coach in particular um and yeah, so I mean, like some of that, and I mean, obviously, like the team was incredible too. So it was a great, like it was a great match, and um, yeah, I felt like it had everything I wanted. So, did you think when you were finished at Stanford, were you thinking like, all right, I want to try try out this pro running thing? But did you ever did you actually envision like having as long a career as you have? I mean, what was your mindset kind of that final year as your or yeah, your final year of eligibility? Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> uh, I think every part of like the running process or you know your running career, no one who's a pro who's made it to being a pro really had like an idea of that's where you could even get probably until huh. a relatively later stage in your career. So like, I mean, I you know I knew I wanted to go for it. I knew I wanted to like try to get a contract and like felt like things were trending up and there was you know some interest there from sponsors and stuff but most contracts are like one to three years and so like it was kind of like hey this this could be pretty short-lived um i yeah certainly probably didn't plan on doing it beyond like 25 or something um so it's like yeah i mean yes i don't think it's i think it's better mindset to have like that because otherwise like you, you just can't expect things to go well and at any moment like you know the rug can be cut out by your fault or not you know like right you get injured or if you know the market seizes up and all of a sudden there's no money available for your sponsor to continue paying you yeah um so i think yeah no definitely not and you know i think every contract that i have i don't expect it to go longer than that so you just kind of like pretend like it's your last year or two put everything you can in and if the opportunity is still there in another two years well then you're you push on yeah that yeah. uh the, the one runner i think of your era i think he was right uh manzano didn't you rate you raced against him maybe even in college right like the 1500 when he was at oh, texas yeah. and so i mean yeah yeah because he he was the silver medalist i think in 2012 and i remember like he couldn't get uh, his contract renewed. Like he struggled after that. And I was like, "What more could you ask someone 
to do, you know, <laughs> from like an athletic standpoint. It's just kind of wild, like to be inside that dog eat dog world. I mean, do you have any like kind of crazy things like that? You're like, oh man, yeah, you don't even you don't even know the first the half of it, you know, from like a contractual <laughs> standpoint. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you know, his situation in particular, like, it kind of exemplifies like part of the problem with the sport or contracts and in the sport in general is that like I think the value is really placed on you you're, when you're leaving college and it's like you know kind of this mindset of like oh imagine what this person can do when they go to being a pro like there's going to be you know a switch of flips and things you know they could be the Olympic champ but it's like after college your value just goes down no matter what you're doing yeah. and so it's like you know for Manzano it's like he won a silver medal, but it's like, ah, man, this guy's getting old. He's probably yeah. Quite as much anymore. You know, and it's like, the guy, he was like 28 or something when that was going on. Yeah. You know, so like, not old at all, but like, everybody kind of wants the shiny new thing. Um, I think some of that's maybe changing a little bit now because like, as people get older, like, you know, you see some of the people, like, some people with like medals and have been around the sport a while, like, really putting time and effort into like building a following on social media and you know I think um, I don't necessarily have the energy to do that sometimes but like I I respect the people that do because it built like a strong uh, they built like their own brand in that way that's made their career more sustainable if they were injured or if something goes wrong they still have like a very high market value to a brand and so I think that's important um, but yeah, I mean, when I was coming out of school, it was like, I remember I, I finished, uh, second at the 1500 that year at NCAAs and I was like super, you know, I had, I was like, Hey, like, I don't want to worry about anything to do with, uh, contract stuff or anything like that until after NCAAs happens. Um, yeah, I just don't want to be distracted with that. And so like, as soon as NCAAs finished, I was like, all right. Uh, let me try to figure this out and talk to like 35 agents in like two days or something like that. It was like, you know, a million people that, you know, they're all like excited to help, want to be part of the journey, whatever. Um, and basically like, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. Like, tell me when you can get me, like, see what, you know, <laughs> yeah. go, go talk to brands. I'd, I'd love to make some money doing this or tell me I don't even know what the possibilities are so like yeah figure it out I'm in Uh, and I heard back from the first one and he was like this is like 09 and so like the market was kind of tanking and he's like ah man like sorry but like I talked to him and like it sounds like he might be able to get gear from Nike or something or like gear from someone and I was like whoa like that you were telling me like two days ago like oh things were great like we're gonna get you so much money you know yeah oh well like this is and i was like i didn't expect any money for running to begin with but then when we planted that idea in my head yeah i'm like oh man that's disappointing (laughs) um but basically yeah i mean luckily kind of like i was like okay like let's wait it out and and the other thing was like as soon as he had messaged me back or called me back 
uh, everyone else disappeared. Like, I didn't hear from, like, any other agents. I, I think, like, two of them stayed in contact with me. Oh, wow. And I was like, um, I was like, oh, well, maybe that's it. Um, and then luckily, kind of the market came back a little bit and ended up, like, signing with Shocking me, like, that fall. Um, and then, yeah, kind of, like, going from there, it was Shocking for four years and then Brooks for the last, like, eight or so. Um, but, yeah, I think there's, I mean, our part is if people, like, if you don't get a contract on a school because of that, like, perceived value going down, a lot of people, it's really hard to get a contract later. Um, so. Did that first guy take care of you the whole way? Is he still your agent then? Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan Lilo. He's been great. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, he's, he's been with me forever, and, you know, I really respected the fact that he's, like, you know, it's a business for him, too, but he's, like, you know, he stuck it out with me, and then... It was like, yeah, this guy may or may not be worth anything to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, hey, you stuck by me, I'll stick by you. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, you have a crazy, uh, a, a cool success story, I think, and kind of almost like a truly Midwestern Minnesota, like just going to grind and you're going to be there. And that's, I feel like how you kind of most could characterize your, your pro career, even college too, but like consistency, someone who's kind of always there and not, not like crazy uh, valleys necessarily, at least from a performance standpoint. I mean, I, I remember just like kind of following USATS stuff and then, my wife and I started working for Eagle Eye, which did the footage review stuff. So oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I, actually, yeah, I got to go to a few of those things. It's like Garrett, he was like staple that you were in there. My only thing was I was always kind of shocked. Like, man, at some point he's going to jump to that 5K because I I saw you so much as, and I mean, not that you didn't do no 5Ks, but like it seemed like you were always like the 1500 on the mile. I was just amazed at how that could, that was actually kind of like, almost more your event and it seemed like at the time galen rupp sort of had shown everyone that you you do all these short stuff and then like you're gonna blow them out of the water in the 10k and it seemed like everyone was maybe trying to do that but you know maybe i'm reading the room totally wrong but i mean how 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 would you characterize your pro career you know like um yeah when you when you look back at at the track you know what what kind of stands out what's sort of the theme of that chapter of your life yeah, um, yeah, I probably should have bumped up to the 5K sooner, or even maybe the 10K, or, you know, I think I was always probably a distance runner from all the aerobic stuff right. I was doing growing up, but any part of any race, I think if it's third lap, 1500 is where everybody always wants to settle in, and it's so easy to relax, and then you just lose so much time after getting out, you go out really hard, you settle on the second lap, like, and then that third lap is like way too slow and then everybody's kicking trying to recover, but like it's too late to run a fast time like that. Um, and yeah, you know, everybody in the 15 obviously thinks they're a kicker. So like the kicker for the last 200 is always like wild. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think I probably could have transitioned sooner at a certain point. I was like, you know, I did want to try to go back to the five and um, yeah, I loved it. Never quite got to where I wanted to be there probably like I was you know fourth in USA's by about I can't remember like .04 or something one year um, to make like the team and I was just like you know that was a bit of a bummer uh, I get him Galen was coming back in the last like three strides and I just like couldn't quite nip him <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but like you know I think I 
honestly just having a ton of fun in whatever event I was doing. So it was always hard to change and move up um, and do new things because you're like, ah, I love the 15 mile. Why change it? Um, yeah, that's interesting. Though. Older, and so you have to. <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating how you even kind of identify like, yeah, well, yeah, I, I don't know. Like there's now, now I guess we look at what Jakob Ingebretson's doing and he's not someone who has like a lethal final hundred. He really tightens the screws gradually, you know, and it's not that he's not, he's not slow by any means. And I, I, when I'd watch you run too, I was like, you know, Garrett Heath has like a pretty decent kick. He's not someone who like has to run, you know, Steve Prefontaine, Steve Prefontaine style to win, you know, like, um, so there, there was that. It was like, it's kind of cool to hear from you though, that, Hey, I liked it. And I kind of just was like, I'm going to be a miler and I'm just going to do it. I'm never going to look back. You know, that's, that's kind of sweet actually to hear that. I've always wondered now the mystery is solved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, now looking back, I'm like, man, I wish I would have tried more five Ks in, in my prime of the five K, you know? And I yeah. think, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it is one where it's like nobody wants to move up until they're kind of forced up, I think, in all events. Sure. And so I think that's why, to an extreme, it's going to be really interesting, I think, with the marathon going forward in the U.S., because I think there's a handful of guys that are starting to just come out of college and go straight to the marathon. Right. And that's like what Ryan Hall did. And, you know, I mean, obviously you saw Ryan's career. Right. And, like... I mean, I think like a guy like Connor Mance could kind of completely change that landscape a bit and just like leave college and a year later he's, you know, I don't know what he runs, but maybe he runs like 207 or something this year. And then it's like all of a sudden guys in college are like, oh shoot, maybe I should just go to the marathon sooner and train for the marathon as opposed to like waiting five years until I'm forced into the marathon as like a fallback. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's so crazy how running is maybe the most unfair this way. How if you if you are good at the right time in a certain event, you could win the right meet and kind of be immortalized. And 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 like you could also be a guy who like, you know, you were in a period in an era in an event where like you had some really close just missed the team, you know, and like for for the casual fan, they're like. I, I don't even actually know who Garrett Heath is, you know? Oh, I know who Matt Centrowitz is or whatever, you know? And it's like it, the, the margin is so thin. And yet, yeah. Like if you, if you were in your prime now, like all of a sudden this year, our men's 5k field is like really thin, you know, it's bare. Everyone's like, what happened? You know, we had Paul Chalimo there for a while, you know, it's like, wow, that really shifts really dramatically. And like, do you, how do you like kind of look back at your career and go like, I, I think this will be my legacy, you know, like, do you, have you, have you even thought of that on the track? I mean, I guess you're still competing, right? So are you still developing that? <laughs> are you still like hungry? Is that part of the drive to the trail? Like, Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, you're always developing it. I mean, I'm still, still hungry for different things now, but yeah, um, yeah I think, you know, probably, I think my legacy as a pro is probably more on the cross-country side. I think some of my best races have come in cross-country for one reason or another. Um, kind of in that, like, Edinburgh race. Um, and, you know, I mean, yeah, like you said, it's like a little bit of luck of the draw, like, with the races. Like, some years things are incredibly hard, and other years they're open, and you kind of got to, I think, that's the thing is you just got to be like, that's the whole point of consistency is you just got to show up and be ready to go all the time. And sometimes shoot, you might get beat 
and it could be, you know, the hardest race ever and the most packed and maybe it goes your way still and you win, but maybe it doesn't. But if you show up like for everyone, like some are going to go your way, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, probably the, yeah, cross country and I think probably yeah, just by being a miler, I think now, yeah, <laughs> probably it's like I've been moved up for so long. I think, uh, post collegiately, I think like probably people think of me more as like a aerobic long distance guy. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean ask many people. <laughs> what's what's this, what was what's been the secret to your success? You know, from like a training standpoint or a lifestyle standpoint, the longevity, I guess, too. Uh, yeah, I think it's just you know, I think it is it, like at least in my mind, it all it always comes back to just like consistency and like and that stems from like one, like understanding your body and like in training, like you know putting in the effort that your coach is looking for that day, as opposed to like, it's, you know, it's not about doing the specific workout most of the time. It's about putting in the specific effort that they're looking for. And like every workout could be a 10 out of 10 effort, but that, you know, break down pretty quick. Um, or things like feels a little off. You're like adjusting for it before it's like massive injury. Um, so I think like, probably the consistency on that in that sense and also just like mentally i think you have to find ways to like balance yourself out so that you're not thinking about running all the time and you have ways to like kind of keep some sort of balance in your life whatever that is for you you know for me it's like when you're in college like doing focusing on school a bit and post-collegially you know doing some like side projects or you know even just like family time and stuff like that has been been good escapes. So yeah, I think just a good balance. Do you have a coach right now? Uh, yeah. So I started um, since going to the trails this year. Uh, I had been working, you know, with the Beast and Danny Mackey and okay, okay, that team um, through this year. And then kind of this year made the transition to the trails and still see the team and, and those guys you know, bit, but as far as coaching, I've been working with uh, Joe McConaughey, who is a trail ultra guy himself, but also does a lot of coaching for people. And um, yeah, it's been really good. I mean, the trail world is so much different than anything I've ever done before. So it's been great to have someone <laughs> understand that a bit because I'm completely clueless. I mean, it's 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 a it's a different sport for sure. Um, yeah, talk right. about the genesis yeah. of that move. Like, how did how did this shift kind of come about? And and you know, walk me through some of those early, I guess, you know, bumps in the road if they were there or your early experiences. Oh yeah, the bumps are still the bumps. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, I think um, I don't know. It just came up initially because I think our one of the old uh, our previous sports marketing. Uh, person at Brooks, we've been talking just kind of like general kind of like career goals planning stuff like that and trail had come up and you know the kind of kind of interesting you know like but like hadn't really considered it as a career because it's a pretty small world in the u.s uh, europe is massive in the u.s like there weren't many people sponsored so we had kind of talked about it and 
just over like probably I was shoot, probably four years ago now, over like a couple of years, and kind of like started like just kind of like sat on it a bit more. I was like you know got excited about it and started to follow the sport a little bit more. And um, Brooks is also just putting more money into their shoes um, with it and. Uh, so it's, I think it's changing the sport a bit instead of being like, you know, running shoes or trail shoes feeling like hiking boots. Now sure. they're, I think, more feeling like running shoes that have a little more grit. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you know, like I think, well, I knew in my mind that I wanted to focus on track through the longer trials last year. Yeah. And then after that, I was kind of up in the air between road racing or trail or, or just, you know, retiring. Um, and yeah, just like, it was kind of a perfect timing of just like Brooks trying to get into it. Me also like, you know, like, yeah, his trail stuff looks really neat. Um, and I'd love to try something else. And I don't know if I'm, I don't know if the passion is quite the same for the roads. So yeah, I go for it this year. And it's been, I mean, it's been a roller coaster. Like first race I did, I won. And I was like, oh, this is like not so bad. Um, and then the two that I've done since have had way more vert and I've just gotten my doors blown off. Like, and my quads have like seized, calves have seized, like, but it's been, it's gotten better each time. (laughs) It's just been a, a painful learning curve because it's just, it has completely different muscles and just using them in a different way than the track ever would have. Yeah, totally. And the way I sort of think of it, especially the uphill stuff, is uh, it really does <clears throat> eliminate all the variables except for the engine inside the car. You know, like you look at a guy like Joe Gray, it's like he might be the aerobically fittest man runner in the world, you know, and who knows, his speed is pretty good too. It's not like he's slow, but when he's running uphill, like everyone's kind of on that same playing field. There's not like the biomechanic running economy, how efficient are you at 403 pace? Like all that just is like, none of that's there. And it's, it's just like breathing kind of. And I'm curious, like, was that a little bit of a shock to you considering your really high level track credentials to be like, Oh, well this guy's PR, you know, from college is like 1510. So whatever, you know, like I'm going to take him. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's like, Oh gee, you know, like these guys are, these guys are really fit. This is totally different. Like what, what was going through your mind there? I guess as, you had because i think you ran an uphill one right was it in new york that was that the u.s vert challenge that you did or i can't remember now i i'm plugging in too many results yeah yeah that was up in um in new hampshire yeah new hampshire okay yeah loon mountain or something yeah yeah no i mean it's like i think uh i would say like my impression was very similar to yours i think the one (laughs) key distinction that i would have is like that I've learned is that it's like going uphill is like, it's really, it is all about your engine and your aerobic ability, but you have to be like, your muscles have to be able to withstand running in that way. Or like it is in like doing the sport that way to even be able to utilize your engine. And so like, sure, I guess like, you know, it'd be like similar cause like, you know, cycling, is similar in that it's really all about your engine when you're climbing on the bike. But if you haven't been biking yeah. and you go try to bike, it's like <laughs> your quads are going to seize up and it's you're going to be done you yeah, know, yeah. pretty quickly. And it's very similar for the trails. It's like, yeah, I feel really good about my aerobic engine, but like 
specificity. A mile up the hill in New Hampshire, it's like by calves and quads, we're just gone. You know, and it's sure. like, because they, they haven't been, you know, we did, we did hills, we did 12 by a hill, or we even did some longer sessions of like three by three minutes, two by two minutes, or three by three minutes, three by two minutes, three by one minute, or like some pretty long sessions on the hills, but like the stuff you're doing in trail is like you're running uphill for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's just like, you know, yeah, you just break down. And so it's like, I mean, there's, I don't think I gave trail enough credit as far as like, it's not something you can just walk into with a good kind of like, as someone, you can't just be super fit and have a great aerobic ability, walk in and be smashing people on the uphills. Right. Um, and like the downhills are even worse because the downhills, I have no experience sprinting downhills and the people that I'm racing now are like uber technical, like, you know, Killian Jornet is like jumping off the top of mountains with the epitome of the sport, you know? Yeah. But like the best people in the U.S. are just literally just sprinting down these hills all out, like with no regard for their body. Seemingly, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, I don't, you know, like, you're trying to, like, it's just a complete mind frame switch. Um, so, yeah, I'm st- I, it's gotten a lot better, but I'm still definitely adjusting. So. What's like the um, schedule? How how did that come together for you now? And how how do, what does it look like kind of moving forward? Like now that you're getting your your feet wet, are you sort of like okay? I think I want to target like a sky running series, or I'm just going to focus on this, or maybe I want to go overseas. Like are, are are those sort of pieces coming together in your mind now that you're uh, getting a taste for it? A little bit, yeah. And like I talked to Joe, who's coaching me the other day about it. Um. I'm going to do one more this year, uh, this fall anyway. I'm going to do the U.S. Half Marathon Champs, and uh, it's on the Berkey Trail, actually. Okay, hold on a sec. I got to pause you, right? My older brother, he is... uh, He's going to do that race. And we were talking on the phone yesterday, and your your name came up because he's... uh, you know, just backstory a little bit, like 14 lows, 5K in college, and then he, he got his colon removed. So he had like a six-year period where he was out from like just living normal. But now he's back, and he, he lives in Duluth. He, can, he runs about a 110. He's deceivingly fast, and he's incredibly tough. So I'm like, and he's very skilled. He's athletic. So I'm like, Tom, the trails, it's going to be great. Like the Berkey one, this might be all you. And then we started talking, and he brings up your name. And I'm like, well, if Garrett Heath's there, I mean, I don't know. He He's like, he beat Mo Farah in cross country. So let's just hope he's not there. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. It's, it, it's still, it's like weird because now that's like going back to like almost a flat race. And I'm like, yeah. the last few weeks kind of been like, oh man, like, I don't know. I don't feel prepared for this. I haven't done anything on the flat ground or I haven't done anything that's like not just running straight in quite a while so i got like trying to catch up but uh, sorry i interrupted yeah, you but i was like that's just too good to be true now that i have that intel yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that'll be fun um yeah what are you tom tom you yep yeah yeah he, he okay, so he, yeah, he's elliot's out, he's right. elliot's age they were in the same class but yeah so anyway you, okay. so you're doing the berkey what uh but go back going back to your like scheduling stuff what, what were you saying 
yeah, I think beyond this year, though, like I'm, I'm a little undecided at the moment. I think I don't really have that much interest in the Uber long distance stuff, like doing like 50k or sorry, doing like 50 mile, 100 mile, yeah, that sort of stuff. But I could see as far as like a 50k at some point, maybe. Sure. Um, but I think for now, like kind of really focused probably in that like kind of middle range, which is like the stuff that's kind of around half marathon or a little bit longer. Like the one I did in Europe, Sears and all like 30 K. Um, and that race, that distance is, is pretty intriguing. Um, there's not quite as much in that range. There is a, a decent amount, I guess it's the 25, but like once you go to like 50 K, the options are like endless basically. Um, so I think at least for probably now thinking kind of 25, 30K, half marathon sort of stuff and then see how that, see how the training goes this, this winter and stuff and, and kind of reassess um, after that. From a training standpoint, by the way, like I know you mentioned you got to do some of the trail specific work. Has that kind of replaced like your mile repeats if you're training for the 5K or something like, like or, or what is what is different about your weekly mileage and key workouts? Yeah, I mean, that, I think like um, overall my mileage has gone down a little bit this year. Uh, and yeah, honestly, I've been so, I'm so far behind when it comes to trail specific stuff that most of my energy has gone into basically well, so many of my workouts, 80 plus percent of my workouts have been some sort of hills, um, like either up, down, far lake, long run in the, in the mountains. It's just like getting, trying as much as I can to get used to running like that vertical and just the pounding because like in your quads, it's so sore when you first start feeling it. And like, right. It is just engaging different muscles, um, running uphill and so yeah it's completely replaced like every workout so i did some like k repeats on the track here the other day <laughs> it was like the first day and it was a dirt track but it was yeah. the first time i touched any sort of track probably in like i don't know four months wow. five months yeah um so yeah completely different um and i think there's probably a you know, balance to be found there at some point, but this year kind of just needed to be all in on vertical and trail and mountain sort of training. I I mean, maybe this is a tough question to answer here as we're kind of getting to the end of stuff, but like, are you... Uh, with the Olympic trials, like every four years, I, I'm sure that kind of, to some degree at your level, that's kind of anchors like, Hey, that's sort of that big goal out there, you know, representing the team going to the Olympics. Is there something now, a carrot that you're kind of chasing that you would like, whether it's in the trail scene or even just outside of that, you know, like I want to at some point keep building my resume and be a coach, you know, like what, what's the carrot out there for you from a competitive standpoint and beyond when it comes to running? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I'm still working on that. Like there isn't something for me anymore. It's the same as the Olympic trials. Like I think, like you said, that's like the obvious one that everybody you just put all your energy into, or like you yeah. know, USA is on the track. Um, and it's not quite as obvious for me now in the trails. And 
I don't I like. I'm I'm still super motivated to train. I'm still super motivated to like hit any race that comes up. But I don't have like. It's not the same as it has been in the past. It is definitely a little bit different. Where it's like all of your races are really like a stepping stone to some bigger goal. Right. Everything now is kind of like a little bit more of like this race is the goal in and of itself, and then move to the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like, yeah, this next race. And then, honestly, I think probably my next two races could be on the same course, one running and one cross-country skiing. So, <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, okay, I got to get to that. Like, you did the Berkey last year. First of all, my podcast and their dedicated Nordic ski listenership from all across the world. They, I, I brought up this just insane drama, tried to make it overly dramatic about how Elliot Heath was going to be doing the Berkey because that's what he. I think he had said that to me when we when I creeped on him in the middle of the night in Leadville, and then. I think in his results, it said he, he had a DNF. And I saw a picture, I think, on your Instagram. And it was like, he was in a boot. And I was like, okay, this is just so confusing. And then and now Garrett Heath's in the results. Like, so can you can you provide clarity to the situation? <laughs> uh, yeah, Elliot was, we were both planning on doing it. And actually, you know, he ended up having an uh, injury in his foot kind of pop up. Gosh, probably like a few weeks before the race. And okay. so he didn't end up like getting the race. Uh, he still came, but yeah, I was in a boot to be safe with it. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I was, we were both planning on it. Um, and I have like the ski background from growing up, but and he played basketball in high school, but he's like done way more skiing recently. And so okay. I think. I don't know. I mean, he didn't beat me, so I can't. I don't want to admit defeat, but I think he. It would have been a tough ask for me to beat him. Um, really? He's, he's like he's been super fit. Yeah, with like the skiing stuff, a couple of times in the past few years, like he had some injury stuff where he just did a lot of skiing. Um, Mostly skate skiing, so, or like, does he a classic? Is he like one of those guys who like, yeah, he played basketball, but he's got the form down and everything, where like he's utilizing himself well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he had to, like, okay for him yeah. growing up, but I think he's done enough now in the last few years and just being around it enough as a kid that he's, like, yeah, he's got good form. Like, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if he's ever – I'm sure he's classic at some point, but, God, I don't, I don't know when. Yeah. Because um, it's not the one you do for fun when you're in high school. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have classic skis now as far as I know. So, um Wow, this yeah, adds, this adds more intrigue. That like, so you're telling me Elliot Heath is fit and he's ski fit, and because in my head I was like, I kind of I went back to my to my house and told my wife and explained who Elliot Heath was, and <clears throat> like I think you know you, you know he was he was I think silver medalist right in the cross country realm. He had the NCAA championship three uh, k, and he's you know it's just like super stud, but injuries kind of derailed him from a running standpoint, you know, like as, as he kind of, I thought maybe he was just kind of going into coaching, you know, like, but he's still getting after it in some realm right now. Yeah. Like on and off, I think when it works out for him, yeah. uh, you know, when it's just into his schedule and stuff. So I think his, his fitness can be pretty variable up and down. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's like, I always generally kind of, and ready to rally for just about anything skiing or running or skiing or biking related. He's still doing some running too, like, but probably more like 
as part of a coaching thing or jumping in with his athletes or something. Um, so, yeah, okay. yeah, we're hope, I'm hoping this year that we can both do it. You know, we, yeah. Oh, that's going to be epic. Well, that, now I remembered why I had in my notes here. I was like, no, it had him as a DQ. See, because if it was a DNF, it's like, oh, he probably just didn't start. But I think that was on the Berkey's fault, DQ. I was like, what did he do? Like, start the race and then, like, he bowled over someone in the first, you know, eight. <laughs> Sorry, sir. We got to yeah, kick you out of the race. Yeah, me with his pole. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was honestly picturing Oh, gosh. So you're doing that. You're going to do that in February, and there's a possibility that Elliot will be there, and you don't think you can hang with him. I'm like, I want to go watch this now, kind of. Yeah, I mean, now I hope I can. Another year of training, maybe, or doing some more focus on it. Yeah, it'll be fun. I think we'll be, it'll be a relatively good match, depending on, could depend on the training. Any, you know, any given year could be either of us, depending on what sort of training the other is doing or not doing. <laughs> Okay, I have just like two questions to close, um, and I appreciate your time. It's been a really fun interview, so hopefully, hopefully it's not like you're just like, oh my gosh, shut up. I'm never going to do this again. Why did I agree to this? Um, the, the first one, kind of, I asked you a little bit about high school. Like, what was the, you know, best moment or greatest accomplishment you had? And I always like asking this if I get the chance to ask someone who's as world-class as you, but is there a like race or workout for you and you're like no that was me at my best and you know it maybe maybe it was Edinburgh or maybe it was an olympic trials but maybe it was like just some random you know 20 by 400 that you crushed you know you know you don't get to brag about that you know like because there's so many miles that happened so for you looking back so far what's what's like garrett heath at his best where you were like the most proud of something you did just like athletically not don't give me the answer like oh it was hugging my teammates at you know sections because it was all <laughs> not that okay <laughs> um gosh yeah uh i think i think the the best day for me that i can think of uh and this is the best one like well for a few reasons but was first time um i broke four at uw indoors i think my junior year um or third year i guess because i said five years in college but um yeah i broke it at indoor meet there and like elliot was running us day and like within an hour, like he won U.S. Cross uh, Juniors. He was like a senior in high school uh, that same day. And like within like 30 minutes, like I, you know, it was not only like my best effort or thing, like this big aspiration that I had always been like, if I ever break four, I'm quitting running because I was like, there's nothing else to accomplish. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what other goals you could have, you yeah. know, and I was like, and so, like, that all came together that day. And, like, I remember, like, wine going over and, like, my teammate, like, passing me the phone and being like, you got your brother. Like, he just won U.S. Cross. And, you know, just kind yeah. of like that moment of, like, you know, this is, yeah, probably, you know, I don't know if running gets any better than that, you know, so. Yeah, hi yeah. a highlight for both of you guys in the same moment. That is pretty crazy. Yeah. Wow. So. Uh, and last one that I want to ask is, do you have a, uh, a, a, this might be still working, you know, a working philosophy of sport, but what in your mind is like, what makes this all worth it, you know, to strive for excellence in a sport like running or any sport, really? 
mean, I feel like I feel like my answer to this is like always kind of like horny, um, but I really believe it. <laughs> it's like, and this is like a prefontaine thing of like I think it's a from like Bill Bowerman that like maybe like a speech or something if in that movie or something. So who, who knows how much it's real? But it's like. You know, it's like the whole point of running is like to test the limits of the human body. And I think like I always come back to that. Like, you know, you can't really change what your competition's doing. Like, you know, whether or not they're fit or not, whether or not they're injured, whether or not they're like doping or whatever. Um, But you can, you know, you can always compare yourself to where you've been before. And so it's like always this striving to be better or like feel your body in a place that it never was before, you know, and like yeah. be able to run a pace and more smoothly or be in a position uh, to kick on people, feel, you know, in a way that like your body has never been able to function before. Um, and so like, yeah, I think that's like no matter what, kind of what's always driven me and probably what will always, because like, you know, whether or not you're competitive to win a race, it's always like what. Where can, what can I get my body to do? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's kind of always been there since high school. And I, yeah, I think I'm, I'm more and more just like really, truly glued. That's cool. That's awesome. Wow. Um, <laughs> this has been super fun, Garrett. And I appreciate your time again. And I wanted to let you know that. Thank you for joining us here on the Cedar Scare podcast. We're so glad you could join us. And we have a special treat for you about 75 seconds of unedited bonus material we are making available to all of you for free. But if you feel so inclined, no worries. You can Venmo me, cedarsgear@gmail.com, um, monetary amounts of any amount, or um, just mail your Fisher Speedmax classic skis to 215 Leadville, Colorado, or what's my address again? Ajay, get the app. And he's, and he's a state champ, you know, like, and I live out here by, actually, according to Walter, lives in Leadville now, too, so I, I, I'm constantly reminded when I see her running, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do, like, a series on where are they now, Minnesota Nordic state champs, and I think she was kind of, like, in your era, too, right? Like, a year or two apart. I can't remember. She won at one of those, 04 or 03 or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, she was a year ahead of me, and it's funny, because I actually just ran into her over in Chamonix, France, like, <laughs> yeah, randomly, wow. like, walked past her at, like, a, I don't know, just, like, a, a little, like, outdoor bar restaurant place, and she's, like, sitting there, and we were both just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Do you know uh, her, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, I knew her um, in high school, and, okay. you know, I just haven't seen her in... 15 years yeah. um wow yeah i mean uh, yeah it was it was great to catch up with her a little bit and she was i was gonna say earlier like yeah she was saying that she lived up in leadville now and stuff yeah um yeah she's obviously a, an absolute beast on the trail so right. i mean she's been a good inspiration on the trail team um all right, that's the end of the show. You've been listening to the Cedar Skier Podcast on cedarskier.com. McDonald's isn't the best place to find a runner, so Buck is where I go. Mm-hmm. Slip on my half inch, splitting they drop in. We the best in Colorado.
you're running with our team You better have fleet feet And trust me, you don't have a chance Now when the gun goes up You know I'm all amped up And my mind is in a trance Got me thinking like stepping, floating, flying through Pushing the pace on a run with ASU You can't give me something new Underneath my running shoe Say Brooks says to run happy Their shoes were handmade for somebody like me Now I'm up in the lead Right in front of Hassan Mead If you blink, you'll miss a fear When the race is done, there you are in the rear Crossing the tape, ain't nobody near me Solid gold, fast times, hot babes That's what I see I see me standing on the podium Sweating on my sodium Bleeding, gut busted Working harder for my team DJ Khaled, all I do is win Bam, that's the theme Did you see me beating you up in a Facebook meme? Your only chance to be a winner's in your dreams And Colin Nessa, you got a problem Houston, I'm a rocket Walking all the walks, you know I just don't tuck it I got my beats peel on a run You know it's in my pocket Coming to a big hill You know I never work it say six These are the happy three Okay, honey, honey Nike's for Kipchoge Under Armour, Reebok Runners know that they suck Mizuno New Balance is my brand Made in America and that's my man say six Dean Coach D and the Cedar Quiz too. And then in the Wolf Pack, Zay's the top dog. Palmer's coming close, making sure he don't hog. The spotlight, Oscar's got his fashion right. Rich is gonna start a fight. Mickey's hammer's kinda tight. Squid's the athletic trainer, he'll make it right. Yo, Elijah, he's a little bruh, but he's pretty fast. He's a total star. In my last race, it was epic in the chase. The car was leading my calf, bleeding cut from a spike. I ain't need no help to find my next flag. Though I might to find my spike bag. To Monica to run the 15 jet lag When I was in first grade I was the fastest at tag I was going so fast Told that car, get out of the way I passed him just like I did to Sydney Get up a day, slicing through the wind Like a skinny knife with a fish fillet My races are like art forms Better than a Monet I guess I'm all out of things to say I mean, we have to try to get together for the Alley Loop, the team championship. Just imagine this, okay? Solomon-sponsored team. We got Courtney DeWalter, okay? Courtney DeWalter, Garrett Heath, Elliot Heath, and CedarScare.com. There's your starting four for the Alley Loop, the $10,000 team prize. If you made it to this this far in the podcast, Garrett, Elliot, if you're out there, Courtney maybe even, 
Okay, consider it. You got it. Shoot me an email. Let's get it together. Alley Loop. They had this ten thousand, or was it ten? I think it was ten thousand dollars of cash. They split it across, you know, a bunch of different. But the winning team, I think, got three thousand dollars. And it was yet have six athletes, every event covered. So forty forty four k skating classic. There's two twenty one k skating classic. There's two more than a 10k skate and a 5k skate so you need six people committed which is really actually the hardest part of getting it together is get six people to raise all those different events um i'll take the 44k classic okay i think elliot we stick him in the skate uh the skates oh man this is tough actually i need to really think about this more because i mean i gotta the the men's 44k skate or 42k skate or whatever that's a really competitive race um on the guy's side it doesn't seem to be as competitive on the girl's side uh and yeah courtney would probably just destroy it'd be interesting but i don't know you guys can fight over it garrett if honestly you you could do the 10k skate you know just go uh you'd be up against all these like you know junior national level crested butte skiers it'd be great a good time uh anyway yeah ajay Ajay's trying to think, like, where is she going to be? I don't, I don't think they have a skijoring competition, Aj. Yeah, but there it is. All right, so, wow, bonus. This has been quite the pod, really. I mean, when you think about all of the little insights, the only thing I think we missed, we did not play the Zachary Mellon 2008 800-meter state track file that we have on hand. We could play that, but it's, we've already almost got an hour and a half, so I know they're going to take us out of the air, but thank you again for joining us, Cedar Scare Podcast, cedarscare.com. We'll see you later.